Hey, thanks for joining us here today at Victory Church, where we invite people to belong before they believe. If you want to know more about who we are and what we do, or if any of our messages have impacted your life and you would like to partner with us in giving to this ministry, we invite you to do so by visiting our website at victory.church. Now, let's check out this week's message from our lead pastor, John Chesty. Hey, Victory Church, it's so good to see you yet again. I'm so honored to be able to speak to you today. Whether you're at the OKC campus or at the Edmond campus, it is such a joy to be with you today. Uh, We are continuing our season on bended knee, and I pray that it has been ministering to you. I pray that you've been challenged by this. I pray that you've been encouraged uh, to surrender, to really begin the year uh, wherever we are in the year, wherever we are in the moment that we're beginning on bended knee, and I pray that God's been ministering to you on this. I have to, I have to confess, uh, this message today, I'm actually pretty giddy <laughs> about preaching it. I'm excited uh, to preach this to you. It's been something that I've been kind of geeking out on and nerding out on. Uh, it's it's going to be way more teachy today, okay? So you're going to have to put your thinking caps on. Pretend like you're sitting in a seminary classroom. Pretend like you're getting about to absorb some really rich content. Uh, When I begin to study this and see how God threaded uh, this story throughout the Old Testament and into the Psalm, it is a beautiful, 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 and I can't wait for you uh, to get it. So pull out your Bibles. If you would turn turn with me to Numbers chapter 4. While you're flipping over to Numbers chapter 4, I want to give credit where credit is due. So the topic of this message uh, is on something. uh, Let me just ask you, when's the last time you studied the Kohoathites? Yeah, me neither. I mean, the Kohoathites. So so this topic came to me. I was sitting uh, at TKU at the King's University in a chapel, and I heard uh, somebody do a short little teaching on this and speak about this for a few minutes and I got to give credit to her. Her name is Julie uh, Cole, and she's our director of, uh, at the campus, she's our director of spiritual formation. And she brought this up, and I began uh, to get obsessed with this, and I took a deep dive into this. And so I'm so excited uh, to bring this to you today. I hope you got your thinking caps on. So today we're going to talk about the Kohoathites. Now, you may be thinking, what in the world are you talking about? So the Kohoathites were one of the four main divisions of the Levites uh, in the Old Testament. You had, you had the, the Gershonites, the Mirrorites, and the Aaronites. There's a lot of ites throughout the Bible. Well, the, the Kohoathites were one of the divisions uh, of, of the priests, uh, of the, I'm sorry, of the Levites. So today I want to I present to you, let me just set this up before we read the scriptures. I'm going to present to you today that symbolically today, we are all Kohoathites, all right? So just keep that frame in your mind as we go through this story. I can't wait to show you uh, what God unpacks uh, in, throughout this story. So let's go to Numbers chapter four, if you have your Bibles there, and we're gonna read verses one through four to begin with. It says, the Lord, then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron saying, take a census of the descendants of Kohath, from among the sons of Levi, by their families, by their father's households, from 30 years old and upward, even to 50 years old, all who enter the service to do the work in the tent of meeting. This is important. Verse four, this is the work of the descendants 
of, the, of Kohath in the tent of meaning, now watch this, concerning the most holy things. So the tent of meeting was, you know, let's, let's call the tent of meeting. Moses establishes this tent of meeting where he would meet face to face with the Lord, where they would begin to do the, the, the sacrifices and some of the, let's just call it, this was like the very first church building. This was, this was a set up and tear down church building. So as the children of Israel moved through the wilderness, as they moved on their journey to the promised land, if the cloud descended, they would stop. If the cloud went up, they would move. And it was the very first set up, tear down church. Now, each division of the Levites had a job. They each had a duty. It would be similar to if you've ever been a part of a set up, tear down church, there's a tech team and there's a team that sets up the chairs and there's a team that sets up the podium and a team that sets up the, the temporary stage. Think about it in those terms. The Kohathites were the ones who were in charge of delivering and carrying uh, the aspects and some of the, the, the things in the tent of meeting. Now, they were their duties. This passage goes on to describe this and list this, but I'll just list these for you. Their duties was to, to transport the Ark of the Covenant. That's kind of a big deal. The, the table, the lampstand, the altars, the utensils of the sanctuary with which they would minister. And Aaron and his priests would go in in the presence of God, in, in here, and Aaron and the priests were, would cover up these most holy things. These were the most holy components of the tabernacle. And the Kohoathites were not allowed to look at them, and they were not allowed to touch them. So Aaron and his sons would go in first and cover them, and then the Kohoathites would come in and carry them. So, so think about it this way, and I want you to, again, remember, you are a Kohoathite, and, and so let me, let me put it this way. Think about it this way. The Kohoathites literally had the weight of the presence of God resting on their shoulders. And they were carriers, they were deliverers of the Ark of the Covenant. They, they delivered the presence of God. Today, I wanna to talk to you for just a few minutes on the subject of the calling of a carrier. The calling of a carrier. We are all called to, to be carriers of the presence of God everywhere we go. Let's, let's think about what a carrier is. A carrier is somebody who did not necessarily manufacture what they are carrying. They did not produce what they are carrying. Think of it as your DoorDash delivery guy. They are there for one reason and one reason only. They went by, they picked something up, they brought it to you, they dropped it off so that you could consume it. They had nothing to do with developing it. They had nothing to do with creating it. Uh, think about it in terms of an aircraft carrier. An aircraft carrier is going to carry the, 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 the weapons to war. The carrier did not, is, is not the weapon. It is not producing the weapons. It is the carrier of the weapons. In many ways, I feel like this is what I do as a pastor and what our staff does as a pastor. We did not produce the presence of God. I did not produce the Bible. I am here today as a carrier. I'm, I'm hoping in some way I can carry the word of God in a, in a creative way, in, in a wrapped up way and deliver it to you and to allow the presence of God to, to work in and through you. And really, this is what we all do. This is what we're all called to do is to become carriers of the presence of God. And so with that being said, I wanna use this story for us to learn from. If, if we're Kohathites, if we are carriers of the presence of God, there's a couple of things in their story that I wanna show you that is, that is just so beautiful uh, to, to, to learn about. So let's go on in this story. Let me read to you verses 17. Let me just paint some of this picture and give you a little bit of background, okay? 
Numbers chapter four, verse 17 says, then the Lord spoke to Moses and to Aaron saying, do not let the tribe of the families of the Kohathites be cut off from among the Levites, but do this to them that they may live and not die. When they approach the most holy objects, Aaron and his sons shall go in and assign each of them to his work and, and to his load, but they shall not go in to see the holy objects even for a moment or they will die. So they had these very, very strict instructions. You are carriers of the presence of God. You are carriers of the Ark of the Covenant, but you are not to look upon these things and you're not to touch these things. Only Aaron and his, his sons, the priests, can go in and do this. So this is where the plot of the story is set, okay? So this is kind of the, I've, I've painted the setting. Let me, let me show you a little bit of conflict. So then conflict begins to arise in this moment. And we'll learn from this. Numbers chapter 16. So flip over to chapter 16. Let me tell you another piece of the story. Chapter 16, verse 1 says, Now Korah, the son of Isbar, the son of Kohath, the son of Levi, with Dathan and Abiram, the son of Eli, and, and On, the son of Peleth, son of Reuben, took action. Now this, this is where it gets good. And they rose up before Moses, together with some of the sons of Israel, 250 leaders of the congregation chosen in the assembly. Now watch these three words. Men of renown. Okay, so they're, they're rising up. There's an uprising. There's, there's, there's some discord. There's, there's a challenge about to happen. And Korah, the, the, the Korhath, uh, the Korhathites, and some of the, some of the others have risen up to challenge Moses. And it says that all of these men were men of renown. So renown in the Hebrew is the Hebrew word shem, and it means reputation, famous, glory. Okay, so these are the famous ones. These, these, are, these are the ones in the tribe that have the most Instagram followers. These are the ones that have risen up and they're coming to challenge Moses. Let's see what happens here in verse three. It says, they assembled together against, against Moses and Aaron and said to them, you have gone far enough for all the congregation are holy, every one of them, and the Lord is in their midst. So why do you exalt yourselves above the assembly of the Lord? This is what they were communicating. Why do we only get to carry the presence of God? Why do you get to go in and look at it and touch it, but we only get to be carriers of it? They had, be, they had gone down the road that many of us always end up going down in our humanity as we begin to compare my job to their job. I compare my influence to their influence. I compare what I get to do to what they get to do, and they're slipping down this. Now remember, I wanna just remind you, I wanna go back to verse five, because it clearly states, uh, that we may have missed it, it clearly states their, their role. Verse five of chapter four, let me just review. It says, when the camp sets out, Aaron and his sons shall go in and they shall take down the veil of the screen and cover the Ark of the Covenant with it. Okay, so it's, it's being very descriptive in God's instructions of how this is supposed to be done. And then in verse 19 of chapter four, it says, but do this to them that they may live and not die when they approach the most holy objects. Aaron and his sons shall go in and assign each of them. So it's very, it's very clear what their role was. And it was for their own good. It was for their own protection. It's like, we want to ensure that the Kohathites 
have a long-term plan, that we don't want them to all be killed off when they start touching the Ark of the Covenant. But they weren't satisfied with this. They crept into the danger zone of comparison. So what do you do when all of a sudden your assignment from God is not enough to satisfy you anymore? What do you do when the thing that for a season of your life you've been called to do, it becomes not enough? Your job is not important enough. You are not recognized enough. Someone else in the room is higher than you. The big question becomes, can you be a carrier of God's presence without having to be the most important person present? This is our role as believers. We become carriers. And I wanna, I wanna show you how Moses challenges him. So before I do, I wanna, I wanna even paint this picture more. It was really, really important to the Lord that the people who are literally going to carry the presence of the Lord, they were going to pick up the presence of God on poles and rest them on their shoulders. And it was very important to the Lord that humility is what the presence of the Lord rested on. That carriers of the presence of the Lord were supposed to do it in full humility. And we see this coming up and the challenge is being presented to Moses and I wanna remind us of the season we're in, humility is always found on bended knee. So can we bend our knee to comparison? Can we bow our knee to the incessant need for us to be noticed and recognized and just say, you know what, I'm just here to, to carry the presence of God and that's enough. I wanna show you what Moses did. Now this, this next passage, I wanna camp out in just a minute. I'm gonna pull four points out of this next passage. Now watch this, watch Moses' reply in chapter 16. Verse eight, then Moses said to Korah, hear now, you sons of Levi. I mean, <laughs> I thought he was gonna say something else, but he didn't. Hear now, you sons of Levi. Uh, he's uh, frustrated. Now, this is really important. Watch verse nine. Is it not enough for you? Is it not enough for you? You've been called to carry the presence of God and, Mo and you're not happy with that. And Moses, the first thing he says to them, is it not enough? Is it not enough? And he's gonna go on to tell us what, what, what he's leading to. Is it not enough for you that the God of Israel has separated you from the rest of the congregation of Israel to bring you near to himself, to do the service of the tabernacle of the Lord, to stand before the congregation to minister to them, and that he has brought you near Korah and all your brothers, sons of Levi, with you. And are you seeking for the priesthood also? Is it, isn't it not enough for you that God has called you to carry the very presence of God and you're not satisfied with that? You want to be the priest too? You wanna take on Aaron's job? It's not enough for you to do the assignment that God has called you to do, that you want Aaron's job too. And he's challenging him with this. And I wanna stop here for just a second and I wanna pull out four things from this text because I just came today to remind you of your calling, the greatest calling that any of us could ever live out on this earth in whatever capacity that God chooses to allow us to live it out is to become carriers of the presence of God. And Moses is doing his best to remind the Kohathites of this. Let's go back to verse eight. Verse eight, Moses says, is it not enough for you, watch the first one, that the God of Israel has separated you from the rest of the congregation of Israel? Point number one, if you're taking notes, he's saying, is it not enough for you that God called you out? That God picked you? 
God, God specifically picked you. He called you out. He called you by name amongst all the other people. And he had a specific calling and a specific job for you. And he called you out and he plucked you out of the entire congregation of Israel. And he put you right here to carry the very presence of God. And sometimes we just need to be reminded that whatever gift it is that God has given us, we are called to live out that gift, whatever that looks like. Whatever that means for us, we are called to not compare my gift to someone else's gift. We're called to live out the gift that God has put inside of us. Verse eight, it goes on. It says, it says uh, then Moses said to Korah, here now sons of Israel, is it not enough for you that one, he has called you out, he's separated you from the rest of the congregation. And two, it says to bring you near to himself. He's saying, is it, Point number two, write this down. He, he brought you near. One, he called you out. And, and Moses is like, do you realize that you get to carry the presence of God? He has brought you near to himself. And because of the price that Jesus paid on the cross, this, this is what we get to do too. He has pulled us close. The veil has been torn. Now we get to be carriers of the presence of God. He has brought us so close that the Bible says his spirit lives in us. This is enough, guys. This, this, is a, this is enough for us. So think about this in John chapter 12, verse 32. Jesus said, and when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. John 6, says, no one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws them. The veil has been torn. We have been allowed entry into the very presence of God. And Moses would say to us today, the same thing he told the Korathites, Kohathites, is it not enough for you that the Lord, the creator of the universe has drawn you and pulled you in close. Don't worry about what other people are doing. Don't compare yourself to other people. Just worry about what your calling is and what I've called you to do. The third thing is this. So verse eight through 10, it says, God has separated you from the rest of the congregation to bring you near to himself. And then it says this, to do the service of the tabernacle of the Lord. So point number three, if you're taking notes, he, he, he set you up. <laughs> he called you out, he brought you near, and he set you up. He's like, I, I am gonna set the stage for you to carry out your gift. I'm gonna set the stage for you to do the very thing that I'm calling you to do. I, I've set you up. It's a privilege to serve the house of the Lord. He's saying, you get to serve in the tabernacle, in the house of the Lord. You literally get to serve in the house of the Lord. And let me just tell you, if you're not serving in the house of the Lord, you're missing one of the greatest privileges that we've ever been called to do is to be a part of building the bride of Christ. So if I could just get in your business for a minute, we would love to have you serve the tabernacle of the Lord to get involved in V-Kids, to get involved in youth, to pour yourself into the next generation, to get involved in loving people in our community and outreach and greeting and in whatever area that God calls you to do. God is saying, I've called you to be a prayer warrior and I've set you up at Victory Church to serve on the prayer team. Whatever it is that God has gifted us to do, he calls us out, he draws us near, and then he sets us up. And last but not least, he says this in verse 10, and that he has brought you near Korah, and all your brothers, sons of Levi, with you. So he, he, he does all of these things for us. And last but not least, number four, he, he surrounds us. He's got us surrounded. The Bible says that we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Yes, we are. But also right now at Edmund OKC, look around you. 
All, all of the people around you are brothers and sisters in Christ that God has surrounded you with. So he, he is so uh, intimately involved with our everyday life that he's gifted us, he's prepared us, he's set a table for us, he has set a stage for us to carry out our gift, and we get this opportunity to do it around brothers and sisters in Christ. And Moses says, is it not enough for you? Verse eight, let's go back and look at it one more time. Then Moses said to Korah, hear now, you sons of Levi, is it not enough for you? Is it not enough? Is it that, and then in verse 10, he says, and you're seeking the priesthood also? Like, so, so this is where this is where the story really takes a turn and, and, and begins to shift even more. This is where, let me just be frank, this is where the story gets gangster, okay? This is where things go, go really crazy. I, I wanna show you this, this is so awesome. So Moses, this is what happens. Let me just get, set this up. They challenge Moses. They, they're basically saying, we wanna be the priest. We wanna do all of it. We wanna, we wanna go in, we wanna, we wanna touch it, we wanna cover it, we wanna see it, and we'll, we'll, we'll keep doing our job. We don't mind our job, but we want more. We wanna do more in the process. So Moses is like, okay, let's, let's meet tomorrow. They pulled out their iPhones and got an iCal on the schedule and they, we're gonna meet tomorrow. He says, bring a censor. Now the censor was, was, the, was the thing that the, was a priestly duty. They would take coals from the altar, okay? So Moses is like, let's do this. It, it would, it would be, be like somebody saying, oh, you, you wanna preach, okay, well, Come tomorrow, will you preach a sermon and we'll see how it goes. He's like just challenging them saying, okay, well then let's see what the Lord says. Uh, so with that being said, let me show you the gangster part of this, all right? Number 1631, watch this. It says, as he finished speaking all these words, the ground that was under them split open and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them up and their households and all the men who belonged to Korah with their possessions. So they and all that belonged to them went down alive to Sheol. Sheol is just another word that means an abode for the dead. And the earth closed over them and they perished from the midst of the assembly. That's gangster. Like, Avengers has got nothing on this. Like they need to make a movie. Can you imagine? Can you picture this? Moses is like, okay, challenge on. You, you light your censor, I'll light my censor. We'll see what the Lord has to say about this. And the Lord just opens the earth, swallows them whole and closes back up, okay? So you're like, okay, this, you said that we're Kohoathites to start this sermon and I'm super depressed now. Where are you going with this message, John? I'm not sure I wanna listen any further. Now, let me show you, it seems like the story's over. It seems like it's over, because it says the sons of Korah and all their possessions were swallowed up. But if you fast forward 10 chapters, 10 chapters into Numbers chapter 26, verse 10, they decide to do another census. There's another census given. I want, I want you to see this in verse 10. There's always redemption in God's story. It says, and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them whole. So we just kind of picked up mid-sentence and then retelling the story. Oh yeah, those guys, the ones that got swallowed up by the earth and swallowed them uh, along with Korah. When that company died, when the, when, when the fire devoured 250 men so that, they became, so that they became a warning. Watch verse 11. The sons 
of Korah, however, did not die. The descendants were still alive. Now, now think about this. Those who had gone before them messed up and did it wrong, okay? But the sons survived. The descendants survived. This tells a beautiful story about this story, but it also is a beautiful story to us because what this tells us is that we, as sons and daughters, are not defined by the mistakes of our fathers and our, and our mothers. We, we, are, we are not wrapped up and defined by the mistakes of generations that have gone before us. We are not defined by, by other Christians who have made mistakes and gone before us. That God was not finished writing this story. And this is really important for us to lean into. This is really important for us to embrace because something you need to know about the Kohathites, this, this shameful, shameful past where they challenged Moses, they challenged Aaron, they challenged the very demands and commands of, of the Lord. They went against what the Lord had commanded. They, they, they were comparing, they, they, were, they were trying to do be something that they were not called to be. They had completely ruined it. Maybe you can relate to this. Maybe you or, 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 or someone you know, or maybe you, you come from a lineage of, of families who divorce is just a part of the story. Or maybe you have a father who abused you or a mother who did not tell you that they loved you. Or you have something from your past that seems insurmountable. It seems like a mistake that you could never overcome. This clearly tells us that this is not the case. I want to show you very quickly what happened in the story and, and, and the beauty of this and how God can redeem this. Because if you fast forward, and I, I, I kind of have to move through this and not take you too in, in depth. I don't have enough time in, in a sermon today to, to take you through all of, the, all of the details of this story. But I do wanna show you just a couple of people in scripture who carried out the lineage of the Kohathites. Because if you don't know the Bible extremely well up to this point, you do not wanna be associated or affiliated with the Kohathites. And you wish I had never, I tagged you as a Kohoathite today symbolically in this message. But I want to let you know of a couple of people who were in the lineage, who were Kohoathites, and what they did and what this means to us, which again exposes and shows part of our calling uh, as those who carried the very presence of God. The first one is this a man by the name of Samuel. Samuel, the prophet, was a descendant of Korah. The, the, very, the very man who would go and anoint Saul king, the very man who would go and anoint David as king, came from a lineage of people who were rebellious against the Lord. He was a prophet. What does this mean to us? Remember, we are Kohoathites. It means that a, a part of us, a part of our destiny, a part of our calling is to carry a prophetic anointing. It's to carry a prophetic gift. Paul said, I wish that all of you would prophesy. It says, I want you to, to, to desire the, all of the gifts, especially prophecy. Well, don't panic by that. What, that. what does that simply mean? It, it simply means that I'm going to be a word of encouragement. I'm going to exhort people that the power of my tongue is powerful and effective. And I want to speak life into everybody that I come through. Why? Because I'm a carrier of the presence of God. I'm a Kohoathite. 
So, so Samuel was in this lineage. Samuel was a Kohathite. The second one is Jeshoabim. Jeshoabim was the number one warrior. You know, David had his top three warriors, the David's mighty men. He was the leader. He was, the, the, if you go and read this guy's story, you talk about gangster. This guy killed 800 men with a spear. I don't even know how you do that. Like, that's a lot of, I mean, that's a, it was a sword, I get it. But he killed 800 men in one sitting with a spear. He was a Kohathite. A lineage, coming from a lineage of people who had just made mistake after mistake after mistake, and yet God used him in a powerful way. What does this mean to us? It means that we are called to be Samuel. We're called to be a prophet, but we're also called to be a warrior. Ephesians chapter six says that we are to put on the full armor of God, and we become carriers of God's presence into battle, that we can fight the enemy. We don't fight against flesh and blood. We can come in and, f- and be warriors for battle because we carry a lineage of this. We carry this uh, in, inside of us. This, the third one is this, the doorkeepers. The doorkeepers. When David became king, the, the, the doorkeepers in, in, in the tabernacle were uh, Kohathites. What is a doorkeeper? A doorkeeper, their task was to open the temple gates in the morning and to close them at night. They stood watch over the storerooms and the treasures to make sure that nothing was stolen. They stood on guard to make sure that no unclean person would enter God's house. They stood for hours and hours, day and night. They became watchkeepers. We are called to be doorkeepers. We, we can be doorkeepers. We can keep a watchful eye over the kingdom, over our flocks. We are doorkeepers to our families and to our churches. We're protectors of one another. We guard one another. We keep watch over one another. This is part of who we are. And last but not least, number four, the fourth thing that Kohathites were, and I don't know if you, you may not realize this, when I say this, it'll come to your remembrance. They became psalmists. They were worshipers. The, the, the Kohathites, yes, they carried the very presence of God, but if you go back and scan all of the Psalms, the, the sons of Korah, you know, at the top of the Psalm, it'll tell you who wrote it. You will find 11 chapters, 11 Psalms written by the sons of Korah. So they became writers. They became worshipers. They were writing worship songs. Psalm chapter 42, 44, 45, 46, 47, 48, 49, 84, 85, 87, and 88 were all written by the sons of Korah. Let me give you just a sampling of some of their writings. Psalms that you will well know. Psalm 84, 1. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. The courts of the Lord. They, these psalmists knew their family history. They knew that they grew up, their, their, their families, their, their descendants had grown up in the very courts of the Lord, carrying the very presence of God. And you see this pouring out in their writing. Psalm chapter 46, another familiar one. In verse one, it says, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, now watch this, though the earth give way. They knew their family's history. They knew the stories of the earth opening up and swallowing their descendants. And yet their writings say, he's still our refuge and our strength. Though the earth gives way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, I would would suggest to you that they knew the shame of 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 their fathers. 
They carried this with them. Psalm 84, 10, watch this. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. They understood their history. They understood that there was a time where their family had been cast out of the courts of the Lord. And, and many of them became doorkeepers and they're just saying, I would just rather be a doorkeeper. I'd rather spend one day in your courts, Lord, than a thousand elsewhere. I just wanna be where your presence is. They, they come to the realization that they never stopped being carriers of the presence of the Lord. They may not carry poles on their shoulders anymore, but whether it was as a prophet, whether it was as a warrior, whether it was as a doorkeeper, or whether it was as a psalmist, they are still carriers of the presence of the Lord. And you and I, friends, are no different. It doesn't matter if you're a teacher or a nurse or a doctor or a facilities person or, or whatever role you play in whatever world you live, you can still be, in fact, you are called to be a carrier of the presence of the Lord. And they're having this, 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 uh, this amazing realization. You see it pouring out of their writings. Let me show you just a couple more. Psalm 42, one says, as the deer pants for the streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. I don't have time to read it because it's an entire chapter, but I encourage you to go and read Psalm 88. It's another one of the ones that they read and you will see, you will find the humble, I mean, an incredibly humble cry expressed through this entire psalm, uh, aching and understanding their ancestors' sins. They are embracing and almost mourning over the sins of their ancestors. In fact, some theologians believe that this psalm is the clearest example of the agony that Jesus went through on the cross. Many theologians tie Psalm 82 and the humble cry of the pain and tie it directly to, to, to Christ's endurance on the cross. So I just propose to you the same thing that Moses would say to us and in some kind, loving, convicting way, is it not enough for you? Is it not enough that we just get to be carriers of the presence of God? And however God chooses for that to be, let God figure that out. You can go back and watch a sermon I preach, say that I, I, I wanna give God his job back Whatever, God, wherever you put me, whatever you call me to do, I want to be a carrier of the presence of God and leave the details up to you and know that he is doing something in and through me at every single moment of our life. I, I do not want to bend my knee to what this world says is enough. Whatever the world, whatever influence we succumb to in our culture and in our world, Whatever, whatever culture, whatever voices, whatever feelings tell us that we are not enough, I don't want to spend my life bending my knee to culture, bending my knee to what everyone else says is good enough and what everyone else says is more than enough and what everyone else says I should be doing. I just want to bend my knee to, to knowing that, I, God, I just want to carry the presence of the Lord and whatever role and whatever aspect that is. So I submit that to you. It's a beautiful story of redemption, but it's even a more beautiful story of our calling, and it's the greatest calling. Is, is it not enough that we get to be carriers? You have a calling. You have a calling on your life. 
I pray that God would give you details of that. I pray that he would make it explicit to you on what title it says on your business card. Those are all great things. But can I just reassure all of us to let you know, Mr. and Mrs. Kohathite, that you are first and foremost a carrier of the presence of God. I pray that you would leave today and go out into your world, whatever, God, whatever world that God has put you in, and be reminded every single day when you wake up that you are a carrier of the presence of God. Let me pray for you. Father, we thank you that you have given us this job. We're mindful of it, Lord. You have, you have called us out. You have drawn us near. You have set us up, God, set us up so beautifully. And you have surrounded us, God, with amazing people to do it with. So Father, I pray for every single person under the sound of my voice that you would be explicitly clear to them of what this calling looks like and what it feels like and, and all of the intimate details of that. I pray that you would bring encouragement. I pray that you would give direction for all that. But more than anything else, God, I pray that we would understand that it doesn't matter my title. It matters my duty. My duty, God, my calling is to be a carrier of your presence. And whether I'm standing at the grocery store or whether I'm sitting in the boardroom, I am a carrier of the presence of God and everyone around me needs it. Every single person around me needs the very presence of God. Thank you for calling me. Thank you for calling us as believers to be the delivery system of your presence. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us here today for this week's message. And here at Victory Church, we are called to equip people to live in His presence, move beyond ourselves, and be transformed. And this can only happen through your radical generosity, your serving, and your prayers. If this message or any of our messages have impacted your life and you would like to partner with us by giving into this ministry, you can do so by visiting our website at victory.church. Thank you again for joining us and have a great day.